Hello and welcome to the Bucket List Gamers podcast on this very special Halloween episode. I am Jay and I am once again joined by Eddie. Hello. And today we are looking at the very scary... Silent Hill 2, which is 79 on the list and came out in 2001 for PS2. And we just got another 10 pence worth out of our soundboard there. That, you might be hearing that ghost pop up again later on. I'm, I'm all forgetting my money's worth. <laughs> Literally milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah, We won't be sticking to Silent Hill 2, but that's the, the obligation from the list covered. Uh, we'll be talking about that one. We'll probably be talking about all the others and some of our other favourite horror games and God knows what else. And there'll be that and plenty more of this. <laughs> 20p. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that sound is copyrighted or not. I'm sure we'll find out when we get struck <laughs> from the airwaves for using it. But there you go. Shall we start on Silent Hill two, or would it be worth just talking about Silent Hill one for a little minute before we move on? Yeah, probably start with Silent Hill one because where would two be without one? So yeah, Silent Hill one. I have vague memories of playing it. I was always more towards Resident Evil in in those days. I've played it since, but I remember playing it around the time it came out. I think, yeah, a few of us had it. I'm, I'm sure I had a copy of it. And we'd periodically get together and play it, but always on someone else's console. So we were forever playing the same bits over and over again, progressing each other's games and trying to do a little bit better. And I remember various small bits of it. I remember the piano puzzle where you have to play a song on a piano don't you to to unlock something i remember there being a is there a bit where you find an empty kennel in all the fog yeah and then all of a sudden a dog comes and starts trying to bite you and yeah i remember the little set pieces like that i don't particularly remember much of the plot or how it progresses i think you do you travel into like an alternate universe where everything's foggy and covered in blood and rust and stuff yeah it's the the Silent Hill mythos, I suppose, if you want to call it that, is a bit weird. It's a bit like the Upside Down from Stranger Things. Hmm. It is a different plane of existence that is completely shaped by the psychology of the person who's perceiving it, basically. I, like you, don't remember much of the story for Silent Hill 1. I was far too young to have been playing it, to be quite fair. <laughs> I distinctly remember going through the first five minutes where you're walking through all the back alleys and you find that strung up, just gutted carcass nailed to a um, sort of wire mesh fence. And I just sort of went, nope, and just turned it off. So that was my <laughs> first experience where I said, nope, and just turned it off. It's not even that uh, scary. Now when you go back and look at it, it's it's all pixelated and bloody awful PS1 era graphics but back then it was a really effective horror game a really uh, effective survival horror much more so than resident evil resident evil went in for the jump scares and stuff like that whereas silent hill was incredibly psychological and you had no fighting ability at all you couldn't shoot a gun straight and you you swung bits of lead pipe and stuff like that like your arm was dislocating and you never seemed to do enough damage with them, you were hopelessly outclassed by these things that would just maul you to bits. And I didn't get very far in it. I think I played it for about a couple of hours before. I think it probably got 
to a point where it was too scary for me, and I just went, nah, this isn't for me anymore, and I turned it off. I think because we were playing it as a group, we were a bit more brave, but yeah, there were certain bits in it that, as a child, were quite horrific, and like you say, you look back at them now and you think, how did that ever scare anyone? But at the time, we didn't know any better, did we, I suppose? That was the the cutting edge of it at the time, and it was genuinely... Same with Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2, they were genuinely scary games to play when you were that young and and yeah like you say resident evil 2 more for well resident evil in general more for the jump scares like the dogs coming through the interrogation room window it's a liquor isn't it in the interrogation room that comes through the window and the dogs coming through the mansion windows when you're running down the corridors and all that kind of thing whereas yeah silent hill was very much the fear came from you didn't know what was going to emerge from the fog next it wasn't like it was going to jump scare you you were just constantly on edge that something else was coming to get you and you had no way to fight back against it which is something they sort of followed on through all of them didn't they because the one that i've played most is four the room and yeah you you're like you say you're massively outclassed by all the enemies in that as well you can fight back against them but unless you get them one-on-one and you've got a very specific strategy to sort of back away and swing and back away you're probably going to get done in by them and it's it's even in the later games i think the one it's the one way you've got a torch and that's the only way you can fight back is by shining a torch at them and again you're completely outclassed by the enemies and it's it does a great job of building up this sense of hopelessness and that you you no chance and you just have to plod on with it and keep going and, and that's what i always appreciated about those games two which we'll be looking at i didn't play as much i had one I had three, although I very briefly got to play three because my PS2 died shortly after I got it, so I didn't play that very much. And then four is, yeah, four is the one I've played start to finish and got a couple of the endings on. And I don't know why, because it's objectively probably one of the worst ones of the of the series. But two sort of passed me by a bit, so hopefully you've got a bit more to say about two. But as I say, we've, we're going to cover other games on this super spooky Halloween episodes. I don't know if people are getting bored of that yet. I'm, <laughs> I'm not bored of it yet, so it'll keep coming. The enemies, I suppose, in Silent Hill are worth talking about as well because they were incredibly well designed, weren't they? Especially in the earlier ones. You've got the manky dogs, but then you've got the nurses with the bandaged faces. Was that in Yeah. Was that in one or was that in two? That's I think they two. came in 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 two, didn't they? Yeah, but in one, they were still humanoid things coming after you, weren't they? That that just looked grim. Yeah, they were like mannequins. Mm. Um, in in one, when we get onto two, there is there is a lot of psychology and symbolism in two, and it it's probably why it's one of my favourites because it's it's very much sort of like a horror counterpart to Majora, and there are, is yeah. a lot of horror within Majora's Mask and a lot of psychological symbolism in there. That's probably why I like them both so much. But yeah, one, there were the weird skinless flying bat things as well, which when you couldn't take on enemies at ground level, I don't know why they thought it was a good (laughs) idea to put flying enemies in there as well. Yeah, I remember the nurses from 2, because I think they're the most famous ones. And is Pyramid Head in 2? Is that where he comes into it? And that is the the symbol of Silent Hill, isn't it? From that point on, he's he's like the poster child of that, which carried on. I was gonna say, in terms of one, the plot for one, I've seen the film, 
I don't know how closely the film follows any of the plots of the game or whether it's just a completely different thing. Because they, they shoehorn Pyramid Head into the film, don't they, when he's not really any right to be there. The bit that he's in doesn't make any sense. It's just like, oh, we need we need to get him in there somewhere. So have him go to this room and he just turns up and chases him for a bit and then that's it. And it never gets explained. Yeah, it's it sort of starts out a bit Silent Hill 1 at the beginning of the film and then it goes a bit Silent Hill 2 in the middle and then from like the last third onwards it's a bit of a mess and then the less said about the second one the better and I mean it's a film that Sean Bean doesn't die in so <laughs> I, I am surprised genuinely he they put him in a horror movie like a full-on horror movie and he doesn't die at the end spoilers again although yeah. we're not recommending anyone goes and watches them so no. To be fair, we've not ruined anything. So yeah, two. What memories do you have of, of the second one? I'll let I'll let you lead on this because I, as I say, I've played it and I remember again set pieces and certain enemies and stuff. But I don't have a massive amount of knowledge on the plot. As I say, I was always Resident Evil and I went down that route very specifically. And then I've come back and revisited some of the Silent Hill games, the ones that I've been able to get hold of, but I've never really found a cheap copy of 2, and I don't think you can get cheap copies of 2, can you? Is 2 one of the more expensive ones? 2 is one of the more expensive ones, primarily because it was, it's been remade once, and that was for the PS3, and it was I think it was remade with 2 and 3, and I think it was remade with, I think it was remade with Silent Hill Downpour, which was, it is the worst Silent Hill game downpour. But I think from 3 onwards, they moved away from Japanese development into Western. And you can sort of see that tonal shift away from the psychology and they moved to putting the gore on screen. In Silent Hill, it's sort of twofold, really. Uh, the first two, they used the fog to obviously cover up the fact that it had popping. And it, it, you draw distance and stuff like that. It masked that beautifully. But at the same time, it used it for a horror purpose where you couldn't fully see anything unless you got up close and personal with it. So you would be wandering the streets of Silent Hill and you would see this part of a shape sort of go skidding and skittering around a corner and you would be like, what the hell is that? I saw a bit of it and it didn't look particularly pleasant. I'll not go down there. I'll go down here instead. Oh, this is full of things designed to kill me as well. Fair enough. But I didn't play Silent Hill 2 when it came out. Again, I was a Resident Evil kid and it was a lot more action-y than Silent Hill. And I couldn't really hack playing Silent Hill 2. I was a bit of a wuss uh, when I was a kid. And it took me five years or so to come back round to playing it. And I think I got a really cheap copy from GameStation. Because it was back when they actually gave a damn about how they boxed games up. And it came mm. in a lovely cardboard sleeve with like a little art booklet in it and stuff like that. And just, I think it was two for ten quid on video games in GameStation. Because um, obviously old console generation, they didn't give a damn. So they were just like, oh, I'll just get rid of it. And then when I eventually came back to it, it took me a while to get past that dread that it steeps mm. you in. And eventually I I played it to death. It, I played it so many times through. Because once you get past that, not with anything really, once you get past the initial gut-wrenching, I don't want to play this anymore, 
don't want to play this anymore. And once you get sort of accustomed to how the game psychologically treats you, you're just like, oh, yeah, this is fine. I can get, I can carry on through this. There are the odd jump scare in there. But yeah, it is, it, it's deserving of its one of the best horror video games of all time. I'll say that. So what, because how did Pyramid Head become the thing for Silent Hill then? Is it just because it's so recognisable from that second game? Yeah, I, I think the thing with Pyramid Head is because he is, for the, for the majority of the game, there is only him out, in, in terms of the enemy. There's only one Pyramid Head. Whereas everything else, you get multiples of them. You get the horrific, crawly, baby things that sort of crawl up along the floor at you. You get the nurses. You get the weird mannequins that have sort of shackled in lab coats with the the arms wrapped around the back and they just vomit acid out of a hole in their chest sort of thing i think they're in the film as well but everything that the, there's multiple of them whereas pyramid head it, there was just the one and it was a completely it was a bit like nemesis to a certain yeah. extent or the tyrant but i think because Tyrant and Nemesis had recognizable features, so there was a there was a face, yeah, and you yeah. could sort of humanize it a little bit. Whereas with Pyramid Head, he was deliberately designed to have just a, a massive metal cage in place of his head, and I think that's more unsettling. And I think that's probably why people sort of gravitated towards him as a character. Is it meant to be human in there then, like under that? big metal mask thing or does it never really get explained a lot of it doesn't really get explained a lot of it is up to interpretation but james sunderland who is the main character of silent hill 2 has basically traveled to this place this village called silent hill because he has received a letter from his wife telling him to meet her there and she's been dead for three years so right off the bat it's one of those horror movie tropes where you just go well, just, you just don't f***ing go. <laughs> you know she's dead. Don't go there. It's like when they say, oh, we need to split up in a horror movie. No, you don't. No, you need to stick together and pick up that shotgun. That's what you need to do. You do not need to go dalencing off um, alone when there's a killer on the loose. But yeah, so you rock up to this village. I think the first, the opening bit is you're sat sort of with the boot of your car open and you're sat looking out across the lake that becomes quite symbolic for the rest of Silent Hill. Everything starts to revolve around the lake as you get on and you find a a little radio that crackles and you hear like little voices on the radio when you start to get near to, to enemies or when enemies start to get near to you. And because there's this fog and it's a real pea soup fog. You can't see more than like a couple of inches in front of you. When you hear that radio crackling, it is one of the most unsettling sounds <laughs> in video gaming because you don't know where it's coming from. It's not like the um, sort of the echolocation thing in Alien where you can sort of get a view of, oh, it's over in that direction. You just hear crackling and it's like, is it behind me? Is it in front of me? Is it over to the left? And because you can't see through the fog, you genuinely don't know. So it is step by step, slowly creeping forward with a plank of wood with a nail in it. <laughs> and through the course of the game, 
and there are going to be spoilers with this because I can't not describe it and how impactful it is and not do spoilers really. You everything all the enemies have sort of symbolic meaning to why James is there. So all the nurses are really overtly sexualized. None of them have faces, they're all bandaged, but they are skimpy little nurse uniforms that are borderline fetishistic and massive boobs, but all sort of with decayed skin, but not mm. rotting, more like the sort of mottled effect you'd get on, again, mannequins um, when yeah. they've been left out in the rain for too long. And they scream and just sort of lunge at you and carrying bits of bent pipe and scalpels and stuff like that. And then you get, you meet other characters in it who are also experiencing Silent Hill, but from their own perspective. So whatever psychological trauma has driven them to that village has also shaped it for them as well. So when you meet them... It's the world sort of transforms slightly. Mm. It's not massively noticeable at first. You just think, oh, this is another hot, creepy place that I've ended up in. But there's one character, and I can't remember his name, but you find, you first meet him and he's in a jail cell and it is freezing cold. And he's surrounded by sort of bodies in like butcher's bags hung from the ceiling. You meet a woman called uh, Maria, who is uh, the spitting image of James's wife. And she's overly sexualized. Um, she talks a bit like Mary used to, but she's a bit, she's a lot more slutty, to be fair. And she's had, like, sexual abuse in her past. And you sort of fight bosses for each of them. Um, so Mary's is, it's called her father, and it's it's awful. Some of the, the symbolism is really graphic in it, um, but you have to pause the game to be able to get a look at it because they move that fast and the boss battles are quite frantic that you don't actually get a chance to go, Ooh, what is that? But it's sort of like a sawn-in-half mattress with two overlapping bodies mm. on it. Obviously symbolising the sexual abuse she experienced as a child from her father, hence why it's called her father. And it sort of grabs hold of you and pulls you into this gash in its body, which is quite overtly designed to look like what it's supposed to be designed to look like. And it's just, yeah, it's all layered symbolism. And yeah, it's quite effective. Like, really effective. <sighs> they've not pulled any punches then by the sounds of it in terms of what they've... No they've covered in that game yeah part of me is sort of glad i haven't gone into it too much now although i would quite like to play it it is one of those classic horror games i can understand why it's on this list because the bits that i do remember like you said it builds this dread within you that there's nothing even happening and you're scared about it and i think that's the the nature of a good horror game of that type i know there's 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 other types where it's full-on action horror and there's awful things coming at you left, right, and centre, and it's still scary, but it's it's not the same as this, is it? This gets into your head, and you end up playing yourself as much as you do the game, and like you said, I don't want to carry on, I don't want to play any more of this, because it's just pushing me too far. And I think that is brilliant for how they do it, and I know that's probably what PT was going to be like, I expect, if that had ever got to a point where it released... 
that would have been very similar, I think. I think the demo wasn't indicative of what the final game would be, as scary as that demo was. I imagine the actual game wasn't just you looping through the same few rooms over and over again. That might have been part of it, but I reckon it would have been a much more open thing, like you say with this, where you don't know where the next threat's coming from and, and you get tipped off about it, but you don't know what to expect and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think it's, from my brief experience, I'd put it quite high up on the list. I don't know about you. It sounds like it's one that had a massive effect on you, so... Uh, yeah, definitely. It's one of those games that you can't shake and not in a good way. So a lot of games, there are certain games that stay with you over the course of your life. Once you play it, uh, I think I said it in, it was probably Majora, I wanted to be able to go back, sort of wipe my memory and replay it so I could experience it for the first time again. Those sort of games stay with you and they change your perspective on certain things and they uh, give you a grounding for what sort of things you like in a video game. Silent Hill 2 doesn't really do that. Sand Hill isn't that kind of game that sticks with you because you're like, oh my god, that was such a good game. I, c I really wish I could wipe my memory. It is one of those that sticks with you in a sort of haunting kind of way where it does stay with you and there will be moments in your life where you experience certain things. Not particularly pleasant things, really, throughout life. And it happens. It's what life is, I think. And there will be a point where you get a parallel drawn in your own head like oh that's why they use that or mm. oh, that's why they use that psychology so whoever designed or came up with the storyline the atmosphere and the monsters for silent hill 2 had obviously experienced or knew the human condition enough and really well to be able yeah. to draw on those sorts of things that make people like dread to their stomach so shall we give it, well, I'm thinking low 80s? Yeah. With a proviso that I'm not sure we even recommend you go and play it. If you're of a fragile disposition or you've experienced some of the themes that are in it, it might not be the best game to go and play. But if you're just looking for a really creepy horror game and you think that it's not going to trigger you necessarily, it, it's up there, isn't it, I would say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we do have a remake on the cards... They have, it's on Steam, so the it's available to pre-order, and it's mo. They've done something quite sneaky. It's been made by Bloober Team, who do a lot of walking simulators. So they did stuff like Layers of Fear, they mm. did Firewatch. I think they did one of the Amnesia games, the recent one. Yeah, and I'm a bit concerned because they don't do very good horror games. Bloober Team, they do good walking simulators. But Silent Hill 2 does not need to be treated like a walking simulator at all. And I just hope that they do it justice. Because a lot of the stuff in Layers of Fear was a bit, oh, here we go. Something appears on the wall that says, don't look behind you. <laughs> and you hear a noise behind you. And I could almost sense the game's disappointment when I completely ignored it and carried on walking. Because you know <laughs> you're going to turn around and there's going to be a jump scare. And it's like... Oh, Give me more respect than that as a player. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't need to be jump scared. I need you to actually build a scary game. And the only scary thing about Layers of Fear was that you opened a door, you went into a room, the room was a bit creepy, you went back out the same door, but it didn't take you to where you were. And it's just like, great, okay, so it's slightly <laughs> creepy architecture, 
But after the fourth or fifth time of you doing it, it's like, all right, okay, so what else you got in your arsenal? It, it's not scary. Look, if you yeah. go back to being normal and I go back and it, it is the room that I came out of, then that is going to worry me because I don't know what you're up to at this point. <laughs> yeah. So there is a remake on the cards and there's also uh, Silent Hill Ascension has been announced for, well, what I am assuming is the day that this is airing, which is the 31st of October. And it is an interactive streaming game. So it's going to be available on Google Play Store and the Apple Play Store. And basically it's going to be like little mini vidisodes or webisodes or something like that. And the player base are going to vote on what choices the characters make. Sort of a bit like that episode they did of Black Mirror. Where yeah, you could but I choose... mean, at least that was like immediately interactive. You weren't waiting yes. for loads of people to vote and then put another... This sounds like something from the 90s that they'd have done like, yeah. like on live and kicking each week. Like yeah. here's here's the last episode, right? Vote for next week, and we'll we'll change it next week. It, I don't get that. I don't get when they've got a a game like PT sat there and they won't do anything with it, and they go, "Oh, let's remake two, which is perfectly fine as it is anyway, and let's do this stupid webisode thing." I mean, are they charging you for that as well for the pleasure of watching those episodes and voting? The pre-registration has come down on the Google and the Apple Pay apps, but I don't know how much it will cost, potentially, because it is an interactive game at the end of the day. Mm. It's not like a video or anything like that. It is posting itself as a interactive streaming game. So, I mean, like you, I'm a bit... I despair with Konami. I really do, <laughs> because they've made some of the world's greatest video game franchises, and at the minute, the only thing the things they seem to be bothered about doing are making pachinko machines out of the franchises so they're like silent hill themed pachinko machine lovely can we have another game nope you've got a <laughs> pachinko machine instead pocky holders or something like that and just basically picking up everything that they've previously made and getting a big lump hammer and just smashing the shot out of it because they just they seem to just want to kill off all their existing franchises mm -hmm. they did it with contra they did it with metal gear solid they've done it with silent hill They've done it with Pro Evo as well. That's a shell of what it used to be. Yeah, and they just seem to want to milk stuff for loot boxes and mini games and just whatever they can to rinse people rather than doing something with genuine passion. And it pisses me off. Right, let's give that an 82. Probably a good yeah, a fair score fair. for Silent Hill 2. And I don't think we should talk about any more Silent Hill now because it got a bit dark there in uh, in talking about two. So let's leave three and four for another day and God knows how many others after four that I can't keep up with. And let's move on. So let's talk about some of our other favourite horror games. Oh sick, I just got that new game everyone has been talking about. I'm going to play it all night. A few moments later. Sound familiar? Then you need Meeple Coffee. Designed for gamers, Meeple Coffee comes in five different varieties to complement any playstyle. Plus, if you use our link found in the description, your purchase will help support the channel. Don't delay, grab some Meeple Coffee today.
Resident Evil, I don't think we need to cover anymore. We've already done two episodes on Resident Evil and probably will do yeah. more in the future. I'll throw it out there. Gregory Horror Show, one of my favourite sort of pseudo-horror games, although not really, so I'm not going to talk about that anymore. What's what's some of your favourites? I mean, there there is the very obvious game that we both liked, and it is stuck in Nintendo GameCube deadlock, and that is Eternal Darkness. Yeah, I knew that was going to come up. And this is sort of... I can't remember whether it was the same time. I think it was probably before Silent Hill 2. But it is sort of a spiritual successor to what Silent Hill was trying to do, really. And it was on the GameCube, which was... It was not a a game that was designed for the GameCube at all. The audience is completely wrong. And I know Resident Evil 4 was supposed to be that game that pushed that button of, oh, this this isn't supposed to be on a Nintendo console, what's happening? But Eternal Darkness did it first. And it is superbly creepy. Not Silent Hill creepy. It's it's one of those, again, though, it is it does get into your head, doesn't it? It's not as, it's not as gory and, and weird as Silent Hill, I suppose is the best way to put it. But it does similar things, so you get you investigating your uncle's mansion, aren't you? He's he's passed on, I think, and you're going into yeah. I don't know what potentially you're looking for, but you're going in to look for something, and you kept getting you keep getting thrown back in time, don't you, to certain time periods, and you play as different characters. And the thing that put me off Eternal Darkness was the controls are terrible. Oh, yeah. But I think they're meant to be terrible. Like, it's on purpose, isn't it? Because you're meant to be feeling a little bit helpless. You can't go and just go and batter through all the enemies. You have to manage how many you can fight and lead them away from the pack and pick them off and all that kind of thing. But it does that thing where, I mean, it's quite a dark theme anyway because there's like a, is there like a Book of the Dead or something in it? And... And, and there's stuff like that that's quite dark themes, but then you'll get bits where it, as she goes further into the mansion and further into the story, it starts affecting her, doesn't it? And it does similar to Metal Gear, where it makes you think you've game overed or your game's crashed and that kind of thing, and then all of a sudden it'll come back on and you can carry on playing it. So it's, again, it plays with the player's mind a lot, so it's not just that you're struggling to control certain bits of it. It really does get into your head. And I just couldn't get past the controls. I kept dying, and I stopped playing it, and I never went back to it, which I'm really sad about, because I think I would have loved that game if I'd have put more time into it. And I'm thinking it's probably one that we need to revisit at some point, and I'll play it. Well, you can play it, and I'll watch, because you're probably better at it than I am. But at least then I'll get to experience the actual game and and the storyline and stuff. I can see why people love it. I just struggled with it, and then I'd I'd got Billy Hatcher, so what did I need Eternal Darkness for? Fair. And, and I mean, <laughs> that, that speaks volumes of the dichotomy <laughs> of the Nintendo GameCube. It's like you've got, oh, you've got Resident Evil 4 and you've got um, Eternal Darkness, but over here we've got Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. It's just a completely weird console. It was the worst selling game on GameCube as well, apparently, I, I found out the other day. I didn't mind it. I think I got it with the GameCube, otherwise I don't think I'd have bought it, but... Yeah, I didn't mind it. I don't think it was a terrible game. It just wasn't no. amazing, was it? When you've got Mario Sunshine, you're very rarely going to pick up Billy Hatcher and the giant egg or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. But yeah, that that's a good one. I think one of my favourites is Until Dawn, 
Yeah. It wasn't one that I ever bothered with because I don't like quick time events. Naturally, I am against quick time events. But when you make a whole game around them and you pad the storyline as much as you do and make it so decision-based, I actually really got into it. And I wasn't controlling it, so I was playing it with one of our Patreons, the Ric Flair, formerly known as Dino Dini. Me and him were, were playing it one year on, around Halloween, uh, late into the night, and we were playing it in the conservatory at mine, so it was all glass windows open, pitch black outside, just us playing it on a couch with the TV, and that was it, all the lights off. And the atmosphere, it's like, one of my, you know, when you have those moments in gaming where you just think that was such a perfect atmosphere to play it and we had such a good night. It's one of those and we played it start to finish, I think. Nearly everyone got killed despite our best efforts to uh, <laughs> to protect them all. But it is such a good driven story and we've played it again since trying to right the wrongs that we did the first time and failing miserably and still pretty much ending up with the same people alive but it's just yeah it's to say it is just quick time events it's such a good game because the story's so strong and your decisions actually matter a lot of games where you get those decision making things whatever you do you sort of end up with the same result and i know that i said we played it again and sort of ended up with the same result but that was because we were stupid and we did the same things wrong again because we'd forgotten what we did the first time so yeah you can everything you do has a reaction that can lead you on a different path and it's not always the most obvious option to pick to do like there's one bit where two of the characters are falling down a mine shaft and it's all collapsing and one of the options is to go and try and rescue your girlfriend and the other one is to just leave her and you'd obviously think oh the rescue one results in saving her but actually if you leave her you both survive and if you go and try and rescue you one of you dies and one of you doesn't so there's Bits like that where the, the obvious answer isn't always the right one if you're trying to save everyone. But I'll never forget the one the one for me that, that really got me was we're walking through these tunnels as these three girls, I think it was, or two girls and a guy, and you one of you fall behind and you hear a voice down one of the other tunnels of one of the other people that you're looking for calling out to you. And we knew for a fact it was the wrong idea to go and investigate this voice. But we're both like, but what if it is actually her and we can save her? So we went and then, yeah, opened a hatch and got beheaded by the uh, Wendigo immediately. <laughs> it was like instant result of uh, something we knew we shouldn't have done, but we did it anyway. So I really love that one. I don't know if you've played that. And I think there's, because there was a couple, weren't there, that came after like Man of Medan, which weren't as good. But I think the quarry's meant to be a bit of a return to form. Yeah, so they're all sort of those interactive movies of like the David Cage, um, Heavy Rain, mm. uh, Detroit Become Human sort of thing. And I genuinely think that slasher horror is th what that sort of sort of formula was designed for. So the interactive video game, as it's called, or interactive film or whatever you want to call it, is the perfect solution to the slasher horror film because all the characters in until dawn are the tropes from sort of like friday the 13th you've got the bitch you've got the jock you've got the nerdy girl and it's yeah. all the tropes and you end up wanting to make the same decisions whether just out of sheer oh let's see what happens if i do this 
but it gets into your head of, oh yeah, but what if it is that person that I'm trying to save that's down here? And you get into that mindset of the victims in a slasher horror film where you're there at home going, no, no, don't do that. Don't go down and check that voice out by yourself. But you're in the game and you're in that moment and you're like, but what if it is? So I'm just going to yeah. go down here and oh, I'm dead. And it's it's a really good, yeah, it's a really good solution to the, uh, the video game problem, to be honest. There's another bit in it where you're in, I think, an old asylum or something and there's a bandsaw on the table and the, there's the option to try and take something out of it that you need. I can't remember exactly what the item is. And you go up to it and we're like, this is clearly going to result in a bad time if we do this. But we're like, but what if it doesn't and we actually need that thing? So we did it and it immediately chopped one of our fingers off. And then it's like, do you carry on or do you leave it? And I was like, well, in for a penny. We've already lost one. We may as well carry on. So we did it again and it took the next finger off. <laughs> and then we're just like, well, crack <laughs> on then. And we ended up like taking all of our fingers off didn't get this item and then there's a bit later on where you need to shoot a gun and because we didn't have any fingers left we couldn't shoot the gun and it just worked out incredibly bad for us and then we came back to that bit again on the second playthrough and i was like shall we try and take it again (laughs) no we know how that ends i was like yeah but what if we just did one finger and then stopped maybe it like spits the thing out and we can get it and i can't remember what we actually did in the end but it does like you say you know what's going to happen and you then go oh but what if it's different this time and it obviously never is but yeah it does it does have a little bit of action in it doesn't it because there's bits where you have to quickly move to a target and shoot it before the the reticle disappears and you get attacked by something and and that kind so it's not all pure quick time there is a bit of move and shoot to it and the only thing we really hated in it is there's bits where you can't move the pad because if you move the pad it something will be sniffing around the back of you that can't see you and if you move the pad it alerts it and keeping a a six axis controller still in that situation is near impossible and when we knew they were coming up we quickly put the pad down on a flat surface and just like hands off until it had gone because we knew it was coming but the couple of times where it took us by surprise yeah it was incredibly like the tension in the room because it was um my mate that was playing and i was like i was shouting the commands out so i was like square triangle circle and it it seemed to work really well that like partnership way of playing it but yeah the the tension when he couldn't move his hands for an extended period of time otherwise it was going to tip something off and he just sat there like sweat dripping off his brow holding this pad perfectly straight i'm like don't you move don't you move (laughs) it was a really good playthrough i I think they actually learned from that as well the video game designers because i think in later games they obviously cottoned on to the fact that people were putting the pad down Mm. And they started doing stuff like that and following it up immediately with a quick time event. Yeah. So it was like you literally had to dive for the pad and press the right button, and if you and it was literally split second. So the chances of you being able to lean forward, pick the pad up, and press the right button, slim to none. So you ended up dying anyway. So they obviously caught up. But yeah, they it's the Dark Pictures anthology, is it? So Man and yeah, Gun, yeah. Quarry, Little Hope. Mm. I just wish the endings were better because I've I've seen a lot of playthroughs of them and the solution to the horror outside of the quarry and until dawn it's all a bit meh in terms yes. of oh that's what it is 
this is what we'd heard about the others, so we've not played them. So we've we've done Until Dawn, we're probably next going to do The Quarry. But I think the other clever thing about Until Dawn is it, you start off in a psychiatry, uh, like a psychologist's office, don't you? And he's testing you. And some of the things that you pick in those opening bits end up coming into the game. So if, if you say you're scared of birds, there's a lot more birds in the game than there would have previously been. Or if you say you're scared of bugs, there'll be bugs skittering about when you're in the caves that, that aren't there if you haven't said that. And it's picking those answers to get the best experience for you is part of the fun. And they keep cutting in, don't they, throughout various parts of the game. And the office that you're in is getting weirder and weirder and more and more dishevelled and stuff. And yeah, it, it doesn't really massively explain that from what I remember. But it's just, it's pretty cool the way it does it. I still enjoy it, even though it doesn't actually get explained fully. Uh, so yeah, that's one of mine. And just to spin off from that a little bit, because that's super massive games, isn't it? That makes makes those, yes. uh, which is a British studio. They've got the license, or they've they are now developing uh, Little Nightmares Three. Ah, uh. so the the first two games were made by a French company, and I don't know what's gone on, but now the third game they've got it. So I don't know if it's going to be different or whether it's just they're going to replicate the same style, but they're going to make it. But yeah, Little Nightmares is again games that i i think are really clever i i don't love playing them because again stressful stressful games but i just love the art style the enemies in them are grotesquely horrible awful things that just give you nightmares just to look at them and then when you're in a game defenseless trying to get away from these things or sneak past them it's just they've done such a good job with it and it does play it's not the most taxing thing in the world, is it? It's just one wrong move in certain bits and that's it. You have to redo the whole thing again. But yeah, I really do enjoy it. I've got um, right next to me now, I've got the special edition of the second one with the figure and everything in it because I just love the first one so much. So Yeah, um, same here. Again, like you, uh, the art, the graphic design for the enemies is horrific. It's... On a, it's up there with sort of like Eastern European 1930s, 1940s at a stop animation. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. the, it, it's it's not normal. <laughs> yeah. And I know the sort of like the Polish and Russian animation scene is very stylized, but this is that taken to a completely grotesque level. Like sort of, you can see the human features there, but like there's that lady with the really long snake neck that chases mm. you through the vents, and yeah. But it's, I'm with you in terms of it's a 2D platformer, but you've got like the Sackboy, Little Big Planet depth yeah. to the level, so you can never accurately gauge a jump. Um, so you'll be swinging on a rope. And you never know whether you're too far swinging a little bit diagonal and you can mm. just jump and fall to your death and then you're back to the previous save point and it's just, at some point it just gets frustrating and it just grates on me and I'm just like, oh, I can't be doing with this. I just need a simple platformer, thanks. Yeah, if, there's, if there is one thing to be said for it though, it, it's very generous with the save points. Yeah. You tend to only go back like a room, don't you, or two rooms or something. It's not like you have to play the whole level again. But yeah, it can be frustrating when it's just the same thing over and over. And the, the first enemy in the first game, the janitor, is just 
pure nightmare fuel because he's got massive long arms, hasn't he? That that go under tables and in boxes and stuff looking for you. But then his eyes are bandaged up as well, so he's not he can't actually see. Operates purely on noise, and it's just such a creepy introduction. And then they just get worse and worse from that point on. And yeah, you do again, much like Silent Hill, you get that feeling of hopelessness because you can't fight back, especially in the first one. You just have to run and have to escape or climb something or get somewhere where they can't get you. And yeah, it's it's really well done. And it is, it's one of those games that I enjoy watching more than I enjoy playing. Yeah. Because I just love the art style, I love the the graphics, I love the hopelessness of it all, and and how you sort of forced to do things that no child should ever do, like because you get like hunger pains, don't you? And it gets to the point it's like crippling hunger, and then you have to eat like a live rat that's half caught in a trap and stuff like that. And it is really creepy stuff for a game, but it's just so perfectly done. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a fun little puzzle platformer for Halloween. The the two Little Nightmares games aren't too bad, and then the third one's coming out next year, so it'd be worth keeping an eye out for that. I'm trying to think of any other ones. Um, there must be other good horror games that we've played, but I just can't put my finger on any at the minute that we've not already covered. I, I mean, I recently picked up the remake of Dead Space. I think I, I mm. think I discussed it way back in our first episode all those many months ago um, that I that it had come out and I was I was genuinely giddy for it and I'd held off because it was 70 odd quid and I'm like I'm not paying 70 quid for a remake and it finally came down to about 30 I think and I was like oh you've twisted my arm didn't take much to be fair and it is I can happily say it has transferred across really well the atmosphere is so much better um, there was a, a comparison on Instagram the other week where they did a side-by-side uh, of specific scenes within the game and you look at it now and you look at what we played back in 2008 and you just go how was i even scared by that <laughs> it's, it's all it's quite it's still quite blocky um and it's ridiculously well lit for something that's supposed to be a horror game but yeah it's superbly good and i've replayed it three times now and i only bought it about a month or so ago um <laughs> so it's it's addictive and I'm currently going through for my plasma cutter only run, which gets you a trophy. So I'm I'm using no other weapon other than the plasma cutter. So I'm I'm giving that a go. I did hear that it's very jump scary in comparison to the original, so yeah. remake. It's just like one jump scare after another constantly as you're going through it. And I don't know if my heart could cope with that, to be honest. Uh, to be fair, it gets to a point where you walk into a room and you're like it's going to jump out of that vent, then something's going to come at me from <laughs> over there. There's probably something sneaking up behind me now. I think that's the problem with horror games, to be honest with you. You can you either you either do them really cleverly, like with Silent Hill and Psychological and like with Resident Evil 7 that ramps the tension up and then you get the occasional jump scare, but then you don't get a lot after that and then you get another one a little bit later on or it's just constant and the constant jump scares or constant tension just isn't effective after a while because you, with the tension, you, you just turn the music off and put it on silent. Because if you know there's yeah. no enemies jumping out at you, you're just like, oh, well, the only thing that's making me tense is the noise or lack of. I might as well just sit in silence or put some music on. 
or the relentless jump scares. It's just, well, I've walked into a room. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to try and, and there's a chance something's going to jump out and try and bite my face off. So again, you just become numb to it. And I think AAA need to learn that, that you don't have to put all the graphics on screen. You don't have to make me jump out my seat every 30 seconds. You can do effective world building without making me shit myself every 30 seconds. The other the other direction horror games have gone these days is the one versus all route. So you get Dead by Daylight, you get there was a very specific Friday the thirteenth version of it, wasn't there? Very recently there's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one, which is apparently garbage. And that's the other route. And I think I would love Dead by Daylight because I've I've watched videos of it, but I just can't deal with playing with other people. If I don't know them, if it was like us and a couple more mates playing it, I'd probably be all about that. But arranging that many people to get on a server for an extended period of time is like herding cats. We're never going to manage to do it. So I'd have to play with like people I don't know, and I just can't bring myself to do it. We got the Dead by Daylight board game, little plug here, from Level 99 Games, and it is really good. We're going to be doing an episode on our sister podcast bucketless board gamers soon about that one it encapsulates the game really well into a board game you wouldn't think it'd really transfer over but it works quite well so you all play as a surviving character and one person plays as the the monster similar to how the game works they can pick what monster they are you can pick what survivors you are and you start in different rooms on a map and you get two moves per turn um and i think the or you get one and the the monster gets two, so he's always able to start catching people up. But you can lay traps or you can collect weapons and that kind of thing. And the aim is for you to open so many security gates before he kills so many times. But every time he kills you, you go straight back into the game again. So you can just keep going around picking people off. And yeah, it does translate really well. So if you want to know more about that, go and check out our sister podcast, The Bucketless Board Gamers. We'll have something coming on that soon. And... They have also, or I say we have also, because I was on it, released a Halloween episode, which should be up now. So if you've not got enough Halloween from us here, head over there. We're talking about our favourite scary board games instead of video games. So with that cheap plug out of the way, I think that's probably covered all of our horror games for now. There probably are other ones that we could talk. I mean, we could do a full Resident Evil episode again. There's that much to talk about on Resident Evil that we've not covered. We could do that. There's still a couple more Silent Hill games we've not spoke about. One of the ones I was going to mention, and I've completely run out of time, is Condemned. I don't know if you've ever played the Condemned games. Yep. Made me nearly mess myself. (laughs) First one is brilliant. Second one, not so much. But the first one is amazing, so I'd love to do an episode or part of an episode talking about that. So maybe next Halloween, if we're still... Still plugging on with the other two books we've got. We can uh, we can do Condemn next time because that is a really really creepy. To say it's an early 360 game, the graphics on that, as you said, there's there's one bit in, and I know which bit probably freaks you out. There's two bits I can think of. It's either the mannequins, which I will say no more on, or it is when you open the locker and the guy comes out of it and he's still alive. <laughs> That's the one. It's it's not just that it's the locker, it's that you it opens the locker and you've got to take a photo of him mm. and you zoom in <laughs> with the camera and it does it <laughs> deliberately. The only other one I would probably say 
but it's not a traditional horror game, and that is Fahrenheit. Don't think I've played that one. Which was a game for the um, original Xbox, and it is a it's an interactive movie. It's it's from the designers of Heavy Rain, ah, but it okay. was the first one of its kind. And you start the game, and you have you've woken up in a toilet stall. You've slashed your your own wrists, and there is a man in the toilet stall with you who's been murdered by you because you're covered in his blood and you're holding a knife. And you've literally got to work out what you do with the body. There's a mop, and you've got to sort of piece together, right, okay, I need to clean the floor, I need to shut the toilet stall, I need to hide the knife somewhere, I've got to rinse the blood off myself, wash myself down, and then I've got to go back out, because you're in the middle of a diner, and it's starting to snow, and there are really massive horror sections within that. And it's a genuinely tense game in some bits, but from around about the halfway mark, it goes a bit... Really, it doesn't go a bit. It goes really weird, and you end up sort of fighting angels and demons (laughs) and computer programs that have taken on human form um, by essentially shouting at them. It's a bit like the dragon shouts from Skyrim, but with no (laughs) context behind it at all. And you're doing sort of Matrix-style dodge moves from these angel statues that are coming to life. A bit like Weeping Angels from Doctor Who. Um, Yeah, it's just a mess. But the beginning of the game's great. So just play the first first eight hours and then stop. (laughs) That sounds interesting. It's just, it's reminded me of another horror game that we've not talked about. Um, The Fear series. Oh, God, yeah. Because some of those are genuinely terrifying as well with the jump scares. So... I think we've got enough material to do a, a Halloween special next year. Definitely. But until then, I will throw out the Patreon shout-outs. So I would like to say thank you to Harry Flynn in the Couple of Coins tier. I'd like to say thank you to the Sweaty Llama and Ric Flair in the Bucket Kickers tier. And Atropos in the Avatarnish tier right up at the top there. Thank you again for uh, for sponsoring us to do what we enjoy doing. And if you'd like to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash bucketlistgamers. Join on there. You get exclusive content. I think there's still an episode on there that's exclusive at the minute. In fact, I'm almost certain there is. There'll be a new one going on. We have got another one recorded. Technically two. One of them's a bit out of date by now. But we'll put it up anyway for you to listen to once I've got it edited. They'll eventually move over onto Spotify, Apple Music or the places that you can listen to normal ones. But if you want to get in and listen to them early... That's the place you need to be to sign up. So, interesting little fact before we go. Harry Flynn, the uh, the name of one of our patrons, actually comes from uh, Silent Hill 4, The Room. Now, it's, it's not an actual character in the game, because we don't know what the guy is called in the game. But this guy turns up periodically to try and attack you and then disappears again. And as, a, as youngsters, when we were playing it, sort of 16, 17-year-olds... One night, he turned up and we didn't know what to call him. And one of my mates just shouted, oh, it's Harry Flynn. And for some reason, I <laughs> don't know where it came from, but it stuck. And that's what he was called for the rest of the series. So that's where that name comes from in our uh, in our Patreon list. But yeah, I think if there's nothing else from you, I will say that's goodbye from me. And that's a spooky goodbye from me. And... <laughs> Forty pence worth. <laughs>